Just like that, the second hour is here, Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Thanks for joining us in the chat on YouTube, the live stream right now. Also, uh, Outkick.com, where you can find us. John McClain, who has covered the NFL for five decades, joins us in 20 minutes to hit all the, the top headlines from what we've seen from Kansas City and Miami, the other big matchups, Baltimore on a roll, to what could happen with the Vikings, with Joshua Dobbs, and... When do we expect Aaron Rodgers back? We'll get McLean's take on that coming up in 20 minutes. Rodgers um, saying post-game, um, yeah, a few weeks. Mike's picking up the, the question that he took about when he could return. It says a few weeks. He's throwing, he's walking without you know crutches, and he's way ahead of schedule based on the expert opinion. And I think also the Jets are calling around about – Devontae Adams and Mike Evans at the deadline because I, why would you trade for those guys if you didn't know Rodgers was coming back at a certain time frame? Yeah. The expectation is he's coming back. The question will be, where are the when Jets in the and standings? When are they? Right, after losing last night in an awful performance. I, I can never tell with Aaron Rodgers if he's being serious or trolling because he kind of has that look on his face no matter what of like half yeah. serious, but also he's about to tell a joke. I think he's. this is out to prove people wrong, though, from the initial impression of when the injury happened of, well, he's done, is, does he want to continue to play? To being so ahead of schedule, it's not just for a game in January, potentially, which could be the earliest, right? It's now even sooner than that, the quick rehab process and how he's going about doing that with uh, the mental aspect paired with trying to do this on, you know, uh, uh, jet fuel. Well, there's no, there's no doubting doing. his motivation. Right. I know, oh, I know yeah. what he wants to do, but I've watched the video over and over where he's saying it, and he's kind of got that look on his face like, give me a few weeks, give me a few weeks. I don't know if he's just saying that just to you know, get everybody scared and nervous that he's talking to, or if he truly believes it. I, I tend to believe he believes it, Yeah. given the way he's approached this rehab and, and how that, quickly he wants to get back. And that early report in October about, Week 15 could be the, the date to circle. Remember that? Yeah, so they're 4-4, four and four, okay? They are a favorite in Vegas next week with Zach Wilson at quarterback. So let's say they get to 5-4 and four with that one. Let's just, let's just say what we think is going to happen yeah. in these games. They play in Buffalo after that. Loss, we'll, we'll, we'll agree. Loss but on that one, split, right? They've already split that even with a loss. 5-5. Five and five. Then they host the Dolphins. That is um, a, the, a Black Friday game. Yep. On Prime Video. I'm going to say loss yep. on that one. So that's five and six. Then they host the Falcons. That could be the game he comes back if you believe. I hear a few and I think three. Every time I hear a few, I think that's that's three. Could be Falcons. Then after that, they get the Texans at home. So back-to-back, very winnable games, even if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. They could win those games against the Falcons and the Texans at home. So... Hutton, I think we got a situation where they're going to be hovering right around 500, right about the time that we initially circled that he could be coming back. That could move from mid-December, though, to the start of December or even end of Thanksgiving, and, end and of November. Hovering around 500. If you look at that few weeks' right time. Right now line. puts them in the, the, the picture of making the postseason because hovering around 500, the Bills, the Texans, and the Chargers – but the head-to-head -head loss last night could come back to bite them. 
And the other thing, too, is the AFC North currently, Chad, all four teams are in the AFC playoff picture right now from the AFC North because Cincy did enough to stay alive when Burrow was hobbled, and now they're healthy and rolling. Plus, Pittsburgh wins against the, the Titans in a sloppy game. I mean, there's all these... Uh, all the, the other teams are playing kind of like the Jets have been playing, hovering around 500 and doing it that way. But can they do? Can they beat the teams they should beat? That's, they were can really they bad last night, a game I thought that was winnable for them. You knew that from the first pass attempt a, that Zach Wilson was not going to have a good night. Not a good performance. No. Uh, you saw a good performance from James Madison. I did. Not just on the football field either. Yeah, on the basketball court last night. They went to East Lansing and beat fourth-ranked Michigan State in the season opener. Um, yesterday was the start of college basketball season, Hutton. And even when I'm watching a big upset take place in, on night number one, and I tuned over for the end of regulation and then the entire overtime where James Madison upsets Michigan State, fourth-ranked in the country, I, I have a hard time embracing mentally that college basketball season has started when we're talking about the first week of November and some of these games happening. I just had a hard time getting into it. Um, and even with a big game like that happening, it's difficult for me to really fully embrace everything going on with college basketball. I think there's always at least one game in Maui that week of Thanksgiving that gets me interested and has great highlights from that game, usually the championship game, one of the semis. That's great basketball played throughout. Like, okay, that's, that's one thing. To get you going. And then, I, I mean, after that, it's it's spotted, you know, big rivalry game. Maybe it's Louisville and Kentucky. Uh, maybe it's Indiana, Kentucky playing neutral site. There's some of these games that take place that will get you into it, but it's kind of put everything in neutral until the conference season starts from that point on. It's just so difficult. We talked about this with baseball, too. It's very hard to fully embrace anything other than football during football season yeah, because of the specter of football and how huge it is with sports fans everywhere. It's so difficult to find something else to truly embrace. I felt that way watching college basketball last night. I was entertained. I enjoyed how close of a game it was and how James Madison able to pull off the upset in overtime, but it's just difficult to fully embrace any of it. I hope that we build off of the parody we saw last year, that it gets even better from across the, the college basketball landscape. We're in for a treat if that happens. And I think because of that, if you pay attention this time of year, it's actually going to matter in March for selection for the selection show. Um, and, and many years, Chad, I've just thought like the first couple months of the season, especially the first one, all these tournaments – it, it's mentioned, but I don't think it holds much water, especially with teams that can make a run in their own conference tournament. And you have good teams that are left out, or you have teams that are not that good that make a run, and it really doesn't matter what happens in Maui. It's just a, it, it, it feels like an exhibition month, even though it's not. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, but at least we see bigger matchups. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's the key, too, is, can you draw in the average fan based on the programs? And with the parity in the portal and everything else, can we build more programs that are drawing more eyeballs to the sport this time of year? Because I'm going to be watching in January, February, and March. Of course. Well, and so here's what really kind of 
I think hurts the sport overall. Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic goes in that Final Four run last year. They got four or five starters back. They're awesome. They're a top 15, and their head 20 back team. Too. I mean, that's, yeah, that, he didn't go anywhere. Right. But unless they're playing a big boy, who's really going to get into whoever Florida Atlantic is playing, especially when they go into their conference? And start playing conference games. That that's the hard part with all this, especially with the CBS Sports Network pack. Well, Ali says it's because Power Six coaches won't schedule anyone but cupcakes now. I I don't think that's true. I, I see a number of teams. Kentucky every year schedules tough in the non-conference. Tennessee under Rick Barnes schedules tough. Michigan State is going to schedule tough. And you have the conference but versus conference. There is some truth to the fact they won't play the huge mid-major, like the really good mid-major teams. If they're going to lose, they want to lose to other Power Six teams. So the the Power Six we're talking about college basketball. I get what you're saying. They won't schedule the best teams from the other level, right? Because they don't have as much right. to gain. But they're, an, they're an example scheduling is scheduling based on what the committee wants. Well, Tennessee plays at Wisconsin in their second game on Friday night, and Texas A&M plays at Ohio State. Tennessee's picked first in the SEC. Texas A&M second in basketball going into the season. Those are tough big school games on the road early in the season. And the thought is that's not going to hurt us as much as, you know, an early season loss uh, at home to name the great mid-major program that's got a really good team. James Madison, which is going to hurt Michigan State a lot more than if they would have played on the road against another Power 6 team. Jets, or on the neutral side. Speaking of James Madison, on, from the football perspective, they are 9-0 and right now, the Dukes. And for the second consecutive year, they are not eligible for the postseason right now. They've sent a letter to the NCAA uh, Board of Directors requesting full, full bowl eligibility. And their main argument is, hey, we, from FCS to FBS, we didn't go through the two-year probationary period like we normally would because we were allowed in and we did the two-year, up to a two-year probationary period uh, while we're in the Sun Belt. But they're playing the FBS opponents, and they're winning, and they're doing so in entertaining and in sometimes dominant fashion. They're really good. Uh, last year, had the chance to even beat NC State when the Wolfpack went on the road to James Madison, and they had a great chance late to pull off that win. The only way they make a bowl this year is if there are not, if there are not enough 6-6 six and six teams that are eligible. But their argument is, hey, we're playing the schedule that we possibly, uh, that, that the best schedule we could possibly put together. And we're also doing it based on who we're playing in the conference. And we're winning those games. Right now, they're the 21st ranked team in the AP poll. And they won't be going to a bowl game. They are behind Tulane by one spot, who is 8 and 1. They're 9 and 0. Liberty is 25th right now in the Associated Press poll. Point being, they are one spot away from being the highest-ranked non-Power 5 school, and next year, if the same rules were in place, they would not be eligible to go to the college football playoff. And that, to me, contradicts any argument that the NCAA or a conference would be making right now on Michigan. You want to punish Michigan now because of what is happening this season and not affect future programs, opponents, uh, players, coaches, whatever. In this case, you're also holding back this team from actually achieving what it could, and it doesn't really affect anyone 
other than that locker room, that program, and their success, you're holding back the team having a lot of success, and instead, a team that isn't as successful gets a spot ahead of them if this were a year from now. And they've already denied the request and the petition from earlier this offseason where it could have just been one year of postseason probation as you make the transition. And instead, the NCAA said, no, it's going to be two, and here we are again, where they're good, but no one's going to notice. It sucks. I don't even understand the reason for the rule. Other than just you have to pay well, your dues and not get a bowl check no, uh, there for was, two years to show that you can do it? I don't, I don't know why someone moving up would be penalized like that if they're good already once they move up and they've, they've won the requisite games to be bowl eligible. I, don't, they, I just don't even understand the reason for this rule. They're also in the New Year's Six contention right now. This yeah. year. Well, most of the well, time the rule, you can understand the reason for it and say, well, I understand the reason for it, but it sucks for this team, and let's look around it or find a different rule. I don't even know why you would have this rule. Well, there, it's in place, and I, I went to a school that made the transition, right? It's in place because of financial requirements, the infrastructure that is required on behalf of FBS compared to FCS, and normally you do that two-year period before you join. And then you're on postseason probation if you don't meet those requirements by the year you're scheduled to join another FBS conference. And instead, they bumped up James Madison to the Sun Belt when all of the conference realignment happened to go ahead and make the team eligible to play their conference, even though at the time they accepted the fact that they wouldn't be eligible to win the conference. They couldn't win the Sun Belt because they're not postseason eligible. So that's what happened last year. But they felt like they could get a petition that would pass through the board of directors for the NCAA after a year of it based on what success they could show and the fact that they could build a budget that would be okay with the board for year two. And it didn't work, even after last season's success. It's not like they're a one-win team. Um, and, and also, it's... It's not like anyone's making this argument for Jacksonville State, who's lost two games now. Yeah. They're in the same boat, but this team's 9-0, and and they have a chance to be a representative in a New Year's Six Bowl. Except they don't, and they should. Tulane's got a loss, albeit to Ole Miss, but James Madison doesn't, and they feel like they're right there in contention. If Tulane ends up with a loss, James Madison's the highest-ranked non-Power 5 school, and there it really doesn't matter. That sucks. I, I just think that <clears throat> the Big 12 ads, Houston, BYU, UCF, you know, all these teams, right? They're eligible for the Big 12 championship in year one. None of them are going to win it. Cincinnati, mm -hmm. another one. But they're eligible. If you've invited someone, then you've vetted them. I, I want to cut out the middleman here. If you're saying that you are eligible to be an FBS school, I don't like the rule of a two-year probationary period. To me, you've done your homework You've done your research. You've seen their revenue. You've seen their stadium. You've seen plans for new facilities, all of those things. And you have blessed them and said, okay, you can make the move to FBS. We'll start this thing in 2023, and you're eligible for everything then. And it's going to be a, a, a tough transition for some. But if you're good enough at the lower ranks and you have the facilities and everything else where the, the NCAA accepts you to move up to FBS, why penalize them and stop yeah. them from being bowl eligible? I just think all that stuff should it's, be done before where uh, when you said James Madison is good enough to do it, 
and they're going to be in the Sun Belt, okay, let's play ball now. They're eligible for everything at that point. And the excuse can't be, we can't approve this because we're using this as a deterrent for programs that are not financially ready, where they just don't get the blanket, you're in, you're approved, you're eligible for postseason money. That, That sucks. Yeah. Especially when the teams that used to be in the Sun Belt left to become Conference USA and everyone moves around, and James Madison's there to fill a spot early. And not only are they doing that, the team that's still there is winning at a very high level and having that success. Coming up, John McClain joins us. Then we hear from Chad and the chat on what could we see for Major League Baseball in terms of PR. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Will Levis is the full-time starter moving forward for the rest of the season. Titans making that official. Tannehill's the backup. Obvious decision there, Chad. I mean, you're looking forward to the, the future with a guy who has a chance to be that at the, the position. And you need to know that going into the offseason for a team that currently has the most money with the salary cap to spend in free agency and currently, based on last night results, has a top 10 pick. They would pick 10th currently based on the results of the season with just three wins. That's the right decision. It is absolutely Vrabel. the right decision. I'm glad Mike Vrabel, which kind of, who kind of beat around the bush about it earlier, yep. came out and did the right thing, which I thought that he would the whole time, but it just goes to show you uh, when coaches speak, you can choose to listen or not. Half the time, it doesn't matter what's coming out of their mouth. <laughs> and, and it, Especially when dealing with the media. They're the way, not Chad, really telling the truth most of the time. If I'm ownership, I want that done. Yeah. Oh, Tannehill's sure. not going to be back. Um, Carson Wentz signed by the Los Angeles Rams to back up Matthew Stafford. So Stafford is going through the bye week. Sounds like he's healthy enough to play uh, after ripen. Uh, did the uh, the backup work and starting role on the road against Green Bay and was not good. And now you have uh, Stafford back, but now Wentz stepping in to be that guy. So it's not just a practice squad signing for him. It's um, it, You think about a year ago with McVay and Baker Mayfield, Hutton, and what they were able to do yeah. with him. And then that eventually was kind of the launching point for him to be the starter in Tampa. I do wonder if McVay can work wonders with Carson Wentz to make him look like a decent starting quarterback, at least for a few weeks. You think uh, he could step in and do what Joshua Dobbs did on the road? I don't think in a short week that he's going to do that. I also think that Joshua Dobbs, which, who I love the story, there is going to be a regression to the mean. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm not expecting you know him right. to go out and win games with two minutes left in the clock and drive the team down and escape pressure and run for 20 yards and on fourth and seven. I don't know that's going to be happening every week. The key is, can he just keep their head above water hey. and win 50% of the time to keep them right there and in line for late December playing for a playoff spot? Uh, regression to the mean would be Atlanta beating Houston and then the Falcons showing us who they really are. And if the Texans actually won that game instead of allowing that last second field goal, they'd have the same record right now as the Buffalo Bills. It's crazy to think about going into week 10. John McClain joins us. Sports Radio 610 is where you can find his great work. He's covered the league for five decades. Hall of Famer. John, good to see you. 
Can you guys actually hear me? I'm having all we kinds got of difficulty. You. Can you hear us? Good. Great. Good. Perfect. Um, quick, Chad and I have been discussing Harbaugh and Michigan for, for a bit. At what level of this story would what level would be enough of controversy for the NFL to actually not allow quote unquote safe harbor for him if he wanted to bolt to the NFL, given the fact that we know what we know and the penalties were levied for Spygate? I think that uh, he would definitely get hired in the NFL. And I think that uh, whatever penalties he had to serve in college, they would probably, like if he was banned for a year, I don't think they would do that. I think that somehow Harbaugh, he's one of the biggest and controlled freaks in sports. And I can't imagine anybody other than Michigan alums actually thinking he didn't know right. what was going on. If you were doing something like this behind his back and he found out, my goodness, you'd be done. You'd never work in football again. There are pictures of this guy, Stallions, on the sideline holding a place sheet next to coaches. And you tell me Harbaugh didn't know about it. You still have to prove it. And the NCAA has got no footballs anymore. Look at all those basketball programs that got uh, nothing, got a a cap on the wrist so light they didn't even know it was there after the government caught him with wiretaps, recording calls and off making illegal offers. And so I think it's going to be a big deal. I think that they're not going to do anything to him during the season. Somehow they'll get a delay till after the season. He might resign and come straight to the NFL before they have to penalize him. John, uh, everyone hates hypotheticals except for fans in the media, right? I, I, but here's one. John Harp, uh, excuse me, Jim Harbaugh was nearly the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Walton flew to Ann Arbor to meet with him. We'd have Connor Stallions on that staff right now, wouldn't we? <laughs> How would the NFL yeah, respond think, to that? I think the ones that's going to go after him would be uh, the Raiders and Mark Davis because he screwed up so bad there since he's taken over for his dad. He'll want to hit a home run. And he's got a great stadium. He's got a great, solely great fan base. I could see somebody like Davis going after him like he did John Gruden when he tweeted, paid him $20 million a year. John, where does the Josh Dobbs Tuesday to Sunday five-day turnaround leading the Vikings from a come-from-behind victory, where does that rank on crazy stories you've seen in your years covering the NFL? Yeah, like I've never seen one that's crazier. And the reason is, you know, people are, how in the world can he, can he learn all that terminology? Well, being a 4.0 with major in aerospace engineering gives him a head start. But to go from Detroit to Cleveland to the Titans to Cleveland to Arizona and on to Minnesota, and I'm wondering if all his lack of time actually worked to his favor, and now that he has a week to study and get ready for the next game, if it'll be tougher for him. But it's one of the all-time great accomplishments. I don't know why, what kind of SP award can be given to somebody like that. We ought to get one. I saw something even rarer, uh, a running back kicking. First time anybody's kicked a field goal for a non-kicker in the NFL since 2004 when Miami's Wes Welker did it at New England. And uh, it's the, it's two really strange things happened in the NFL over the weekend, and both of them 
ended up victories for the Vikings and the Texans. And we'll definitely get to that Texans and that C.J. Stroud performance also. But quickly also on the Vikings, do you feel like this is a team, given that division, that we're going to be watching in late December with Josh Dobbs quarterbacking that group with a chance at making the playoffs? Or does this quickly kind of start to fall apart given where they are after the loss of Kirk Cousins? And the NFC is so bad. I think that if you if you just stay competitive, you can you can be in the wild card race. And that division's awful. Detroit should win it, but uh, I think that they will have a chance. You know, Dobbs when he's with Arizona played okay. Then he got benched, and the reason he got benched and traded is they want to make sure they tanked. So they started rookie Clayton Toon from the University of Houston. He played one of the worst games in history. Why else would they trade Dobbs? and uh, go with Toon. And they can say, well, we were just looking for a bridge to Kyler Murray. And if they play Murray like they're supposed to, that'll be fine. But boy, Dobbs came out a whole lot better, and he's got a chance to make the playoffs. John McClain with us. You can follow him on social, at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Where do you think, just opinion-wise and and week-wise, Aaron Rodgers makes his return, given – all the throwing on the field and uh, the comments being made ahead of schedule. He certainly is. Do you think he returns? And where are the Jets at that point? I don't think he returns. Behind that offensive line, are you kidding me? I mean, that'd be the worst thing that could possibly happen. They're terrible up front. They showed it again on Monday night when those linemen just got obliterated by the Chargers pass rush. You think Rodgers wants to come back and face that? Those mullets up front, I don't think so. Now, he's, he said he was just joking, tongue-in-cheek, when he said weeks. You know, he's a long way away. What would be the point uh, to put him in and risk injury? They're not going to the playoffs. They're not going to compete for the playoffs. The downfall has begun for them. And uh, so I think it's just a pipe dream that gets Aaron Rodgers a lot of publicity. And, and maybe it comes down to just that. I just don't know why you boast about being ahead of schedule and your rehab process being something that no one else is doing and then just sit back and not return. Why expedite the rehab if not for trying to return? One of Cam Akers that came back in three months last year running back for the Rams. And so it can be done. Usually Achilles injuries are like six months. And he just and, tore it again, uh, I believe. And I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying that he that he can't. I just don't believe right. he will. There's no point. Team's going to be bad. It's going to be out of the playoff race. Why put him in there? What was your reaction to Ben Volan's report through at least two sources that told him that within the Patriots organization, Mike Vrabel is a dream replacement for Belichick and what Robert Kraft is viewing down the road? Dream on. There's no way Amy Adams Strunk, who loves Mike Vrabel, is going to let him get away to the to the Patriots. And and I can't imagine Mike would want to leave the Titans. It looks like they got a quarterback. Patriots don't. It's a bad situation to go up there and replace Bill Belichick unless you have Tom Brady. I do not see Mike Vrabel leaving Titans and it, anytime soon. Florio was the first that I saw float this out there, but do you buy into the, the idea that the commanders would trade for Bill Belichick? No. 
Do you buy into the to, to the the speculation that that Belichick and Kraft are not as close as what they once were, and that the end is sooner rather than later? Well, that's fact that they're not that they're having problems when you lose like that. And you know, it's like somebody wrote this week. It wasn't the Patriot way; it was the Brady way. Yeah, and that's the improved. And because they're terrible, you know, they're one of the worst teams in the league. And Mac Jones has been a disaster. And last year, they blamed it on the coaching. They go in and bring back Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien was a great offensive coach when he coached Tom Brady. And so now he's having to work for it and ain't working. They're going to be right up there in the running for one of those top quarterbacks. And uh, I could, if the story is true about that, uh, that they leaked, and I would guess it was the Patriots that leaked it to Ian Rappaport, that he had signed a contract extension in the offseason. That was to quell all the talk about this could be his last season. But sometimes, just like with Brady, when he wanted to get away from Belichick, sometimes it's best to cut the cord. The difference is, what does Belichick have in front of him? You know, is anybody going to hire him at 72 or 3 to come in and try to turn around their organization? I don't think so. Maybe somebody like Mark Davis would uh, because he makes mistake at one mistake after another. And uh, it takes a special player like Brady, mentally tough to deal with Belichick every day and all the heavy-handed coaching that goes on behind the scenes. And you look back at all the games Brady won with come-from-behind drives, turn middle, middle, mid-round or free agent receivers into legitimate NFL pass catchers. It's mm-hmm. amazing what he did for that organization. I can't think of anybody in sports who meant more to an organization than Brady meant to the Patriots, the Patriot way, and winning more Super Bowls than any team in history. Hey, John, I think tied to the most. John, has C.J. Stroud already locked up Offensive Rookie of the Year based on the numbers well, he's been putting up? You sound like one of the talk show hosts here. Everybody's saying that. They got nine games to go. Last week, he had his worst game at Carolina, and the Panthers beat him. And uh, so now he has the best game. Well, he's got the best, best game, game for any rookie quarterback ever also. Not not just his best game. That's never been done by a rookie quarterback, the yardage we saw in that one. No, there's a record yardage, and there's a lot of things he did. The, there's been only three quarterbacks who've had at least 450 yards, five touchdowns, and no interceptions, Ben Roethlisberger in 14 rookies, and White Tittle in 1962. Uh, and so there's a lot of things that he did. And if he stays healthy, yes. But if he goes through another bad streak and somebody else steps up, yeah, but I don't see any other rookies stepping up. People talking about Pukunakua, uh, and he's kind of dropped off when Cooper Cup came back. So I'm not saying he's wrapped it up, but he is the heavy favorite in Vegas. John, final 30 seconds here. Currently, all four teams in the NFL playoff picture for the AFC, all four from the AFC North, are in. Which team won't be? Well, they're going to beat each other up. And Houston, they're hoping it's the Browns because they have their first-round pick. So I'll say the Browns with Deshaun Watson being in and out of the lineup because of injuries. Bengals and Browns this week, and then Bengals-Ravens on Thursday night football. Um, Not this week, but... Uh, a week from this Thursday. So uh, five and three Cincy looks great. Five and three Cleveland, Chad. We have, we've got questions. No questions uh, that uh, about McLean's visit each week for no, us. No, he's a Hall of Famer. 
That's right. We don't question Hall of Famers on this show. When, when John tells me I'm as dumb as Houston Sports Talk Show host, I just shut up and take it. I say, you know what? I am. But I you're am also chattelite. You know that's, that's not right. what I'm saying. Yeah. I know. I'm just reading between the lines, John. I love you. John. I love you still the same. Thank you as always. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate it. Check Thanks, out John. all the great uh, podcasts and uh, the columns from John McClain. Sports Radio 610. One of the best, if not the best. Coming up, Major League Baseball and how they can push forward individual personality instead of just a team. Sixth and Peabody, our location each and every day for the Outkick studio. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick network. If you join us in the chat on YouTube, search out Outkick, hit subscribe, and you're there. You're in the chat with Chad. And we had a discussion earlier about why doesn't Major League Baseball push more of a hard knocks version of in season, early season, whatever it might be, the time, the time frame of this. Or... Uh, more of a we're seeing Manning with the the quarterback through Omaha Productions yep. quarterback, and they're going to have a spinoff and a, a different version of that for the NBA through LeBron's production company. Why don't we see that from MLB side of things? And whether or not they embrace it or not, what's the reason for it? What did the chat have to say about our conversation earlier with with McHenry? Well, someone was saying that it's uh, it would get really old with one player over the course of an entire year. And talked about the difficulties of quarterback even because Marcus Mariota got benched. And then they just yeah. kind of went away from him the rest of the way when he left the team uh, with an injury. But it helps to have three. Well, I, I don't see it as the quarterback format for this show. So if you're going to do a Major League Baseball show, the model is there. The template is there. It's full swing with PGA Tour, which focuses in on one or two different golfers every episode. You don't want to follow the same group of two or three people all year. You want to get a snapshot of a couple weeks or a month with one or two players. You pick the storyline. One week could be starting pitchers across the league and focus in on two or three. The next episode could be catchers. The next episode could be a couple of big-time stars. And you're not following them with cameras for an entire Major League Baseball season. You're giving the viewer a snapshot into what their life is like over the course of a week or over the course of a month, and you're keeping it fresh. You're seeing different teams. You're seeing different positions. I want to see an entire hour, hour and a half long episode on managers where you pick and choose who you're going to follow yeah. for that period of time, and then you kind of tie it all in together with the end of the season in the end of it. I, I think it's a very easy thing to do. They've done it already. It would be highly compelling, the nature of the sport and the dailiness of it adds to that. I don't know why they're not already doing it other than what Michael McHenry told us, which is simply that the players union and the the owners can't get together on the money part of it and what it would look like for access like this. Trevor Bauer basically started this model on his own and there's a way to do it. And I think everyone benefits from it. Owners, players, the brand of the league, everything. And it wasn't, I mean, it was edited and I think it came out twice a week. Um, and it's at least once a week uh, during the season. And it gave access even during the COVID year. You know, he's getting, it has the suave, the swab as he's going through the security yeah. for the stadium. I mean, it's, uh, I was fascinated with it. A lot of players don't like it. What, what takes place in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse. That's what they want. But I think it, in the NBA, Chad, the players have the power. I mean, they're, if, 
the top players, the top paid guys want to be the general manager, or the head coach, they, they effectively are. And if you have the LeBron type guy, that's going to direct this initiative, right? This show, that's what is going to push it through with the players, the access, right? Does major league baseball have that guy? Because if they're doing that with ownership or with uh, the, the commissioner, it's not going to get very far. Well, and, and I, I don't know if they have that guy. Right, and I think that, that but every, hurts. Every locker room is sacred. I mean, they go in the locker room a little bit on quarterback. They go you know, yeah, in, but, into, the, into the players' clubhouse on full swing. Um, it's all sacred. You can have final cut. Well, what, exactly. I mean, there's a way to negotiate this to say you're going to get this access but not this access. You can make the show feel like it's all access even when it's not. There are tricks of the trade to do that. Now, you also it can't fake it. Well, you can't fake it. I, I can watch something right away and say, I could get this on a highlight package. Right. This is nothing behind the scenes. This is just them interviewing this person after a game. But you know when you're getting all access, but it's, it's pre-packaged all access. You know, when they go to Patrick Mahomes' house and he's playing with his children set up. and his wife is there, you know, cooking dinner. This is a, hey, the... Netflix is coming out tonight, mm-hmm. you know, and we're gonna we're gonna film some stuff tonight. I What's mean, you the know, they know the lighting before they get to the room. Absolutely, right. the yes. hair and makeup is there. You know, you can see it's not truly totally behind the scenes, but it feels like it. And if you that's can it. fake it till you make it, we all. I mean, that's fine. That's entertaining. I don't know that you're ever gonna get a hundred percent real, authentic behind the scenes stuff unless it's in game, which you get during the quarterback series. And I think you get that during a major league baseball version of this also. But there's a way to do it where I'm not saying trick the audience because a sports-loving audience, is it's not easy to trick them. But I think there's a way you can massage it. You can get a lot out of it with publicity while also not burying the subject. I, I think, the though, I think Major League Baseball needs to give the, the majority of, the, of the, the, the profits of whatever this would be to the players to get it going. Because I don't think this comes down to the individual player agreeing to do something like this because we're seeing problems with that with quarterback currently, right? That a lot of guys are just turning it down. Hard knocks, the players may hate it, but it doesn't matter. Cameras are going to be there. The organization may hate it. Doesn't matter. Jets, you're going to be on there. Major League Baseball doesn't have that power, right? You You need the club to do it, but you also need the ability for the players to be on the show based on the monetary gain that they're going to receive. That's how it's got to get going. And you have to start it with one of the marquee clubs. And then it would resonate down to a Texas Rangers ball club, who the vast majority of the casual baseball fan knows nothing about and doesn't really care about watching the World Series. That It builds for the future of learning about individual players more than just Oh, here's a club that got red hot and made it through and dominated on the road in the postseason. Yeah, I think it's a good way for uh, just the way Drive to Survive brought yep. not even casual fans, people who did not care about auto racing and certainly didn't care about F1. They certainly pick they, they suddenly pick a favorite driver based on that series and they're invested. Same could be true for Major League Baseball. Yes, now, you could bring people in that just watch that series and think, man, I'm kind of interested in this uh, Adley Rutschman guy for the Orioles that I watched for three episodes. I may tune into the Orioles in the playoffs now, or whoever the example is. I, I like this guy. He's my favorite favorite player now. 
Hell, I watched Kirk Cousins a year ago, and I become a Kirk Cousins fan just watching that series. And I'm watching NFL all day, every day, every week, and talking about it on this show. But it's amazing the power of cinema and what it can do for you. And and the when people can see the yes. way you are in your life, and there is a there's a power there that's tough to quantify when something is produced properly and done the right way. We saw it with F1, I think, to some extent with Full Swing. Major League Baseball could be a big hit with a show like this. And maybe MLB gets more of the state-run media-type feel by taking over half of the ball club media rights and the broadcasts of these games. Yeah. Again, they have the opportunity. I don't know if they'll be smart enough to embrace it to a certain level to, to push that PR well, that they need. What a great co-production, co-branding if you followed a certain team. And you also had that team's rights. Yes. On you, Netflix. You've got it. One of the teams that's available, you do a, a quarterback-type series with one or two teams, and, oh, it just happens to be the ones that we have all their games throughout the summer. And you see an ejection. On Netflix And then available. you have background on it later in the week. It'd be great complimentary programming. No something doubt. Something Major League Baseball needs desperately. And it, during the rain delay. Yeah. Pop it on with a rerun. Time for overreaction across the National Football League. Davey Hudson bringing some topics to us. Guys, overreaction or is it just a realistic concern? And we're going to start it off with the Baltimore Ravens. And they're the best team in the NFL. They're not. They are about to be. They're very good. Extremely physical in the trenches. And they have an MVP caliber quarterback. But until good teams are able to figure out the Kansas City Chiefs, Chad, I'm not going away from KC. They find ways to win. And it's through their defense this year, but they're still finding ways to win. And you have to knock off the team from Arrowhead before I'm buying into the fact that you're the best. They're in the best division. They're not the best in the NFL right now. When Patrick Mahomes says, we're going to get this offense figured out, we're going to get it right, don't worry about that, I believe him. They are going to figure out the offense as the year goes on. And they're being carried by their defense. Look out, KC's got a big-time defense now. That's not good news. I put Casey and Philly ahead of them right now, but I am with Hutton that they're certainly in that group of three or four teams under consideration as the best team in the NFL, but not yet. It's still, to me, I, I would put Philly, from what I've seen, slightly ahead of Kansas City, but I'm putting both those teams ahead of, of Baltimore. And, and also, Davey, be, be ready for the Cincinnati Bengals. They're, they can also be in the, in the Baltimore boat here. It's about that time of year. They make their little stretch. Uh, Chad, you kind of alluded to it. I mean, we talk about Kansas City. It's usually about their offense and what Patrick Mahomes has. They were able to beat the Miami Dolphins over in Germany. Pa uh, Travis Kelsey had three receptions for 14 yards. So, I mean, you do have to start asking questions about their defense. And my overreaction comment for you guys is Kansas City has the best defense in the AFC. I don't think that's an overreaction. Uh, right now I, I I can't think of anyone head and shoulders better than them in the AFC Hutton so I, I'm gonna say Davies uh Davies nailed one here I think they're the best defense in the AFC at this moment see I still look at what Cleveland's been doing and I also will point to the defense of the Jets just because they're 500 with Zach Wilson and we're still talking about them in November it's yeah. a defensive league right now, which is just I think there's crazy more fear say. in those defenses, right? Even the 49ers I'd put on that list. Yeah. Not, not AFC, obviously, but there's more fear of those, but and, KC's up there. And, and, and I would 
Casey's there, yes. I would pay attention more to this question about Casey being number one. Had I not, had I witnessed Miami beat a good team, and they haven't done that yet. They they they're averaging 17 points per game against teams with a a winning record right now. That's to me, KC was keeping up with what we've seen already from other other organizations, and that's not knocking them. It's just I've seen it from Buffalo and um, also uh, what we saw against uh, Philadelphia. Okay, guys, going into the season, we were talking about the AFC and the NFC South, both battling it out to who has the worst division. Right now, we know the Jaguars are running away with the AFC South, sitting at 6-2. and two. So it leads me to say the NFC South division winner will have a losing record. NFC South? NFC South. I would say Jacksonville's got a chance of being the uh, number one overall yeah. seed I'm, in the I'm AFC taking, right yep, now. I'm taking them out of the um, equation. We're, AFC, I think we got a good feel no, for how that division shaping up. No, that's an overreaction. Here's why. New Orleans 5-4 and four right now. They are a favorite on the road in Minnesota. Then they get a late bye week after that. And after the, those games, guys, Atlanta, Carolina, the Giants, playing Carson Wentz and the Rams possibly later this season. Atlanta again in Tampa, they're going to finish 10-7. and seven. I feel confident in saying wow. right now, I think the Saints win that division at 10-7. and seven. I, I see. I, I think this is down to the wire. I, I would bet New Orleans is 9-8, and eight, which is, you know, saying, no, this is not an, an overreaction, but also, like, I'm, I wouldn't bet on it. I think it's just down to whether or not Derek Carr is going to be the quarterback that he was signed to be, albeit quietly, this offseason – or it's just the average run-of-the-mill, 300-plus yard passing day, and then reverting back to the re- regressing to the mean. I, I say they're a, they're one game above 500 at the end of the season, and we still view this as it really doesn't matter. No team out of that division is going to do much in the postseason. I hear you. Well, I want to stay there. This is Arthur Smith's last year in Atlanta. Yes. Because I think we're going to see the Cardinals beat them this week. It's trending poorly. That uh, mustache may not be the only thing to go of Arthur Smith's. And it could and be it, his it, entire it, self it's out of just, Atlanta. It's the reality of what the league is. The first two years he's been there, they were salary. They were in salary cap hell. You know, They had to eat the contract of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and they couldn't do anything. And this past offseason was the first time they could actually do something, but they stuck with Ritter. And unless he's got some grand plan at quarterback, he's out. You got to sell. You would have to sell me on the fact that you know Ryan Tannehill is going to be the savior, just like he did wonders for Tennessee when Arthur Smith was there. He is working for an owner though in Arthur Blank that has been very patient. He's got that going for him. But I think they'll find another head coach after this season. <laughs> 